Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. All right, Matthew. Well, it's been a interesting week. You know, we just came off of Halloween, the end of October. Um, I don't know about you, but Halloween is actually a really fun time with, you know, we have four little kids. I've shared on the show before in our neighborhood. We did a like a, a pizza party and um, invited everybody. And it was just great to see the neighborhood come together. You know, I was reflecting on too, like Halloween is one of the only holidays left where you actually engage with your neighbors. Mm. You know, like, you know, obviously, oh, right. you know, Christmas and Easter, Thanksgiving, you do you do, do with family, but with like family the friends. idea of like knocking on doors, just random doors is so weird nowadays. Like mm. you hear your doorbell on a random day mm. and you're like, what, what, what is that? I'm yeah. not expecting anyone, but like Halloween, you still maintain this knocking on doors, seeing kids in your neighborhood, meeting people. So I thought that that was pretty interesting that Halloween kind of has kept that the door knocking alive kind of the when, front the front porch sitting the community yeah where that's kind that. of been foreign mm-hmm. in our in our day and age now with you know so much of everything social media text messages all mm-hmm. that stuff so anyway um i found that very interesting but yeah how was how was your weekend and what did you do anything for halloween yeah we um so we had a we had a get together party on on saturday night and trust up i was shaggy um, oh, nice. So, which was a very simple costume, just a green shirt, to be honest. Um, but that was fun. And then uh, went over to a friend's house. They have four small kids on Monday, uh, yeah. um, and passed out some candy with them. So it is a it is a fun time of the year. It is yeah. it is a chance to slow down and to enjoy, like you said, just the simplicity of knocking on doors, walking around with friends, family, and just enjoying the cooler weather. It was pretty warm on Monday. It was, which was unfortunate <laughs> because I uh, we you know my you were dressed up right. We dressed up as. Um, um, the Harry Potter crew, ah. and unfortunately, I was, <laughs> I was Dumbledore, so I had a, like a, a wig, a beard, a heavy coat, okay. a hat. So you're in it, and I was like, why does it have to be nearly 80 degrees <laughs> on the day? I was, I was like, great, I get a, I get to have wear this heavy coat because it's gonna be like 50 or 60 degrees. Yeah, it's gonna no, be great. No, no, no. And of course, Monday, Georgia was, uh, yeah, about 80 degrees. So, mm-hmm. um, but we, had, yeah, we had a lot of fun. The kids loved it, and. and um, I thought it was uh, just a, a good a good time, a good a good thing to celebrate. Yeah. So anyway, my name is Zach Albanese. Um, I'm a financial advisor. Um, I've been here with Richard Young for almost two years, but been in the industry for a little over three. And I'm Matthew Travis. I'm also a financial planner here at the firm, and we are glad to be with you today. Yeah, we're excited to have you listen to us uh, on our weekly show. We're, we are exclusively uh, up every week on Friday afternoon, so you can find our show on our website uh, through moneymd.net. Or on whatever podcast service you use, a search uh, MoneyMD and you'll find us there. So um, don't forget to check us out on our website uh, where you can link to us. You can ask questions and you can actually find some of our previous shows, which has been a really great resource for, for a lot of um, people. So um, but that's, uh, that's uh, who we are. And, and let's start us up with the uh, financial fact. And this one is looking at, at mortgage rates. Mm-hmm. I'm sure everyone here knows mortgage rates have skyrocketed. Uh, over the last six months, really, mm-hmm. they uh, we just checked this morning, and it was a seven and a half percent for a thirty-year mortgage. 30 year. And the financial fact, or the fun fact here, is that the last time it was that high was in the year two thousand. Wow! So almost, I mean, twenty plus years. Twenty plus years. Wow. 
it was at it was at or above yeah seven and a half percent which is which is pretty wild and um yeah i mean that's that's a huge jump too because a year ago Mm -hmm. it was within that kind of normal three percent range and then it it just it jumped up with um rate hikes and and uh yeah, the the government and the uh, reacting to the economy, right? And you've got to think that that's going to affect uh, purchases and you know certainly refinancing because if you had a three percent interest rate, you're not going to refinance it higher. And it's going to yeah you know, probably slow that side of the economy. So it has been very hot. I mean, after COVID, the rates were so low, and you know people were coming out of not spending and buying a lot of houses. And uh, you've got to imagine it's going to at least slow that sector of the economy um, going forward. But you know, seven and a half percent. Historically, even going back into the '80s, is would be a nice rate, oh, yeah, yeah, know, compared to the double digits. So it is, you know, it is high compared to what we've had last, in the last 20, twenty years. years. Yeah, yeah. But when yeah, you but, zoom out a little bit more, it is, um, it's still lower than what what we've seen in the past. Yeah, and I know that the plans, obviously, down the road, um, once things like inflation cool down, is for rates to come back down, which means mortgage rates will right, come back down. Right. But for now, yeah, it is it is pretty high, and so I know that probably affects buying decisions and questions. And so, you know, those are good questions to ask and to bring, you know, to your attention, to our attention uh, next time you have a review. Um, So today in the show, we're going to look at uh, two articles. Um, The first one is going to talk about pensions and should you take a large, a lump sum if it's larger or wait. So that's a good look at an article uh, from Wall Street Journal. Uh, and then Matthew, what's what's the second topic we're going to look at? Yeah, we'll be looking at in a slowing economy, um, how can you prepare to retire? So it's a question we have: is hey, the markets are, question, are yeah. down, you know, can I still retire? And, and so we'll look at that. It's a good good article. Yeah, well, very good. Well, let's jump right into it. This one is from the Wall Street Journal, uh, and the title of the article was: Should you retire early to get a larger lump sum on your pension? Mm. And this is an interesting article because we've actually had in the last week a handful of clients say, hey, I checked. They were considering retirement and they checked and they said, "It's at, if I don't retire, mm. we'll get into it a little bit in the article. If I don't retire by December 1st, I think that was the date, yeah. then I'll actually lose like 20% on my pension lump sum. Um, and so we, you know, we, wow. sat, we sat down we looked at it and it's like, sure enough, that was 20%. the case. Wow. So the math on all this is is shifting for millions of workers with pension plans. And the biggest culprit, kind of like with mortgages, is the steep rise in interest rates. Because when workers retire with a pension, you know, many are given a choice between whether you receive monthly uh, income for life or taking a lump sum payment. And you know what? Many do pick the lump sum as those payouts um you know, have generally increased in recent years. But now as interest rates rise, lump sum payouts are actually dropping, sometimes by as much as you know, 20 or 30%, which is sparking this wave in, in mm-hmm. early retirements. Well, yeah, and these, so yeah, these rising interest rates can be a boon for pension uh, plans since their bonds can earn more interest, making it less expensive to fund future benefits. Unfortunately, for those nearing retirement, lump sum payouts fall because they are calculated based on what future benefits cost today. Uh, the situation has created a dilemma for employees. Um, should they retire soon to lock in a lump sum or remain on the job and risk reduced payouts if the interest rates continue to rise? So the, the thought is interest rates rise, uh, it, the, the discounted um, present value would be reduced as mm-hmm. these interest rates rise. So that's really the question. Retire now, larger benefit, 
keep working, possibly have a reduced benefit. That's right. Yeah. So it really ends up being one of the biggest financial decisions that, that people will make since usually the, pe- the pension represents a good chunk of their savings. So now, you know, I don't want you to hear this and be alarmed if, if um, you know, you're not planning to retire soon. This is kind of for those who are nearing retirement. Um, a, a 2022 survey by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics shows that this affects about 16% of Americans age 65 and older. But if this is you and you were planning on retiring soon, it is very worthwhile to check with your employer to see what what your situation might be. Because workers and pension plans um, that, you know, that update their lump sums, they do it annually. And you still might be able to get last year's rate, which means you would get a higher mm. lump sum if you were planning on retiring soon. Yeah, so there's a company local um, that's that's going through this now. There's also a larger um, national company that recently told potential retirees that they have until the end of November to notify the company if they want to retire by December 1st of this year. The deadline to cash out pensions before this higher interest rate reduces the plan's payout. Um, and there's also you know executives across uh, another large company that is um, telling their company that they're planning to retire because of you know these higher uh, interest rates that are affecting these pensions, these pension payouts. Yeah, and again, this doesn't necessarily matter if you're not nearing retirement, but retiring earlier to grab a higher lump sum really might make sense for people who maybe were planning to leave their jobs maybe in the near future, or if you're financially uh, and emotionally prepared to do so. But others may be better off remaining on payroll, you know, to, to bolster your finances, to keep working at building your 401k, you know, Pouring in money as 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 markets are down, hopefully capitalizing on your your you know return all, all the more, um, because this decision to require requires financial planning and analysis of your priorities. You know it's not worth accelerating your tire, your retirement just for this situation. But again, if you find yourself in that camp that that you might be ready, it's you know definitely worth a sit down to run some numbers and see if this situation really might be beneficial for you. Yeah, and just a quick example, we did meet with someone um, recently and, and their um, pension, like he said, was gonna drop, um, it, was, it was about $80,000, which happened to yeah. be around the income that um, this person was making for a year. For a whole year, and right. They were planning to retire in May of next year. And so when we ran the numbers, it was like, okay, you can work for another you know, six months um, and basically, not have not get an income because the income is going to be lost because the amount of the pension dropped by your income. Right. So it was a fairly easy decision to say, hey, let's just retire six months earlier. We're already there, and we're going to keep the full value of the pension. So that's that was really the 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 determination we said. But really, the first step is to find out how much you'd receive with each option. That's right. And so most most pension plans offer online calculators that can provide this data. You can ask your plan's administrator or human resource department when your pension plan updates the interest rates it uses to calculate the lump sums and how the change will affect your projected payout. Uh, also ask when you need to notify the company if you want to retire to secure this higher lump sum. Ask, ask for a specific date um, that you need to do that by. Then consider whether you'd be better off with a pension which provides uh, the monthly payment until death um, or if you'd be better with a lump sum. And specifically with the, the life payment, you know, the monthly payment, is that a single life? You know, is that something right. that if, if you were to die, would your spouse get a benefit yeah, as well? Yeah, those are good questions. If, if they don't, that is really something to consider and to consider the lump sum because if you die after you've taken the lump sum, then your spouse still has the lump sum there. So that just, again, something right. to consider yeah. with pensions. And this changes, you know, depending on, 
it, it's different for every every person. <clears throat> and then uh, this uh, the consulting firm uh, Willis Tower Watson, um, they note that in their research and in, in their data, about fifty to eighty percent of workers do choose the lump sum. Yeah, well. Again, depending on factors, including the company, the industry. As Matthew, you were saying, do you get uh, just a single life? Can you get a survivor benefit? Um, and so for some, that attraction to the lump sum is that it provides flexibility with a pot of money to leave to your heirs to draw on emergencies. Because even in a, an annuity, if it does, even if it has the survivor, after both you pass, it, it's gone. It's gone. So, you know, it's, it, can, it can be a great security depending, again, on your disposition to risk. Mm. But you can't pass that one down to heirs. And so a lot, that's why majority of people do take this lump sum. So many retirees feel, you know, they're likely to earn a higher return as well by taking this lump sum than they would get with the monthly income. And most times that that really is the case because if you look at historical returns and even in retirement, let's say you're in a portfolio of 50 stock, 50% stocks, 50% bonds, you would have a higher likelihood to outpace the monthly income given by the pension by a decent bit, about 2 or 3% more a year. And that, of course, looking at historical sure. returns. But really, that can add up to be a huge amount, especially if you live into your 80s and 90s. And then on top of mm -hmm. that, as we just mentioned, it, it can be passed down to your heirs. So you, you don't have to spend it all. You can save it, watch it grow, and then use it for kind of a larger or um, uh, different purpose. Yeah, for sure. For, for the heirs, for the inheritance. Right. Yep. Yeah, all of this does assume you can take the lump sum on your pension and that you're emotionally and financially ready to do so. Um, which can be a lot of ifs. The last thing we'd want you to do is make a hasty decision. Uh, so that's why we would encourage you to sit down with us to see if that's the right move for you. Uh, it might be that you work another year. Your lump benefit um, you know, may fall by 20%, but let's just say you, know, you, you just aren't ready. And, and that, would right. not, that would not be wise yeah. to, to, to rush that decision because while you can go back and work, um, you know, let's say you've been there for a decade or two decades or three decades, uh, it can be a big decision to stop working. So that is definitely something the numbers do play into it, but not making a hasty decision, I think is wise as well. Yeah, that's right. And it really could be for you that, that the calculation is less clear cut. You know, Matthew, your example, it seemed pretty obvious, but depending on the impact uh, on your expenses and your income, retiring earlier may mean, you know, higher health insurance premiums, yes. or it could mean skipping out on a bonus um, that you're expecting or 401k contributions. Also, if you retire early, maybe your need to rely on social security earlier will mean that you don't get the, the jump up in social security for delaying mm -hmm. it. So there's yeah. just a lot of factors to consider. The ones that we saw in the last couple of weeks, they, they were right for the situations. It might be right for you. It might not be right mm -hmm. for you, but that's why we're saying, Hey, this is a, this is an important thing to consider. It's kind of a unique thing to consider given mm -hmm. the rise of interest rates. We wanted to bring it to your attention. We saw this. I saw this article on the Wall Street Journal. I was like, "This is this is a pretty good time to uh, bring it up." So I think overall, if you're in this boat, it's really is just a planning decision, and so, it, but it's a, it's an important planning decision. So I think one that that um, should bring up, we should talk about, and it will be different for for each person's situation. But I thought that was good, especially yeah. considering what last week and kind of all this being brought to our attention. So yeah, with this local company in specific. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. good. Good so article. That's good. Yeah, Wall Street Journal. Thank you for that one. The next one. We're going to do is the, the question of the week. Yeah. And so this question is a good question. Um, and it's, I'm going to let you answer this, Zach, and we can talk oh on it. Goodness. But <laughs> it's basically saying, how do you determine the amount of life insurance that is proper for a family? How, how, how would we think through 
even having too much. Can you have too much? Is that sure. even a question? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, this is a great question because we get this question often. And like you said, whether it's too little, too much, it's important to figure out what's the right amount. And yeah, absolutely, you can have too much. Um, you might not need it. Maybe you've saved really well and you're nearing retirement and you're like, hey, I don't, I actually don't need this life insurance because if something happens to me, you, you know, your spouse, your children, whatever your situation is like, your mortgage, you know, you have to consider these these different variables. But maybe it's maybe it's all covered because you saved well, mm. and therefore life insurance isn't as necessary. Um, sometimes we find people though who have great term policies; they're paying a, a good rate, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, yeah, keep that keep that intact because it's a decent rate. But then maybe when that expires, yeah, maybe let's look at it again, and maybe you don't need to do uh, to re-enroll in in life insurance. All right, I'm gonna give you a hard one. This is a bonus. Should kids have life insurance? Should you get life insurance on your kids? Well, every situation Mm. is different. I'll say that. (laughs) But I think um, I I don't have life insurance on my children. And I don't, I am not in, and enticed to yeah yeah Yeah, and i think the general the the thought with that is if if you have an emergency fund that you're able to pay for a funeral expense for a child then Mm -hmm. then that would be sufficient if you wanted to get a small policy you know for them and it just makes you feel better at night then that's fine we we typically don't encourage whole life insurance right um so staying away from that but you know i I think generally if, if you've been following kind of what our philosophy is with staying out of debt having a large emergency fund you know really five to ten thousand for a funeral if you have that in an emergency fund, you, you should be covered yeah. you know, f- from a kid's uh, death standpoint. And, and exactly. you aren't relying on their income, which is what we use life insurance for. So, Yeah, really, it's, I think it's about income replacement. Right, that, correct. You know, yeah, that's the best way to use life insurance. If something happens to someone, especially if they are the ones bringing in income, right. you want to be able to have insurance that that income will be replaced. And children, I know... Because I've got four of them, they don't they don't bring in any income. So uh, yeah, financially yeah. it's it's, it's, a, it's the opposite it's, of income. Yeah, it's a net loss right yeah. now. But so um, so yeah. that in because I have that mindset, that's why I say I don't have gotcha. um, insurance on my children. But I know different. You know, I've, we've hear many different situations, and mm-hmm. so that's why we, I think uh, it would just be you know um, different to, to examine someone's situation uh, particularly. Yeah, so. that's good. Yeah, so. Um, that's the question of the week. That's a good question. Think about that. Look at your situation. Um, maybe bring it up in the next review that you have. All right. Matthew, slowing economy. How do I retire in a slowing economy? Not necessarily me. But <laughs> I can't retire yet. Uh. How, how does one <laughs> retire in a slowing economy? Yeah. So if one were retirement age, Zach, thank you, um, thank you. and you were looking to retire, which we do have a lot of clients who are saying, Hey, I want to retire, but the markets are down. Can I retire? Yeah, uh, and so a weak That's a stock, great question. Oh, yeah, a weak stock market can create uncertainty when retiring, but a good financial plan can help you find a comfortable path. So that's really what we're going to be talking about: is three steps to help you prepare. Um, you know, when you are considering this, um, you know, choppy waters can can be uncomfortable. It oh, can be absolutely. stressful. It can it can bring anxiety. Uh, you know, the stock market, slowing economy, rising interest rates, inflation. Um, there can be a lot of just headwind that says, maybe I should work just one more year when you're actually ready to retire. And so these are three um, just steps to help you prepare and really analyze to see if you're ready and what to do to prepare for the for the markets when they are down. Yeah, that's right. And so the first step I think is uh, is a good one is just examine your spending history. 
you know, most people, that's actually kind of hard because most people don't keep a household budget mm. in the earning years of their career, um, especially if they make a lot of money. The idea of like, well, you know, why do I keep a budget? Right. What's the point? Because I don't ever run out of money. Mm. But I don't, I, you know, I don't think that's a great planning decision. Um, and I think then that translates when retirement comes, they, they also don't want to live on a strict budget in retirement. So I think using a different approach is, is helpful. So we add up all annual spending over the last three years to look at kind of macro trends in your spending behavior and your patterns. And really anyone can do this. If, if you don't keep a budget, um, you can just look at your credit card, your bank statements to find spending averages. And really the purpose of this exercise is to see if the spending trend is sustainable for the next 30 years in retirement. You know, a person or, or a couple must be able to afford to live uh, on their portfolio savings and guaranteed sources of income, such as pensions, as we talked about, social security benefits. In addition, most new retirees soon realize they need to fill their days with at least one major activity. Yeah. And this usually costs money. I know for me, I would just uh, probably go to coffee shop and read a bunch read of books, books. Yep. which is um, not that expensive of a hobby. But I know other people, you know, they do, do different yeah. things. So, uh, but, but during the first two years of retirement, we've really watched clients spend large sums on home improvement, as well as things like international domestic travel or a new vehicle. You know, certain hobbies such as restoring cars can be, you know, easily run to tens and thousands of dollars and hmm. stress your financial plan. Um, and if spending needs to be, need to be reduced, well, then you need to kind of consider some fixes. And so mm -hmm. there can be some easy fixes. These can include cutting back on monthly subscription payments, increasing home and auto deductibles in exchange for lower premiums on insurance policies, traveling during the off seasons and taking, um, you know, on some home, taking on some home improvement projects yourself because now you have more time mm -hmm. instead of hiring professionals. Um, so some can be bigger changes. People may decide to downsize their home or consider selling extra cars or extra possessions to save um, even more money and just, yeah, kind of recalibrate your life. So I think that that first step, examine your spending history. Mm -hmm. What are you going to carry into retirement? How's your, your spending pattern going to be different in retirement? And really just try and generate a good picture before you get in retirement. I know it's mm -hmm. not going to be perfect, yeah. but try the best to do that. So you know, hey, I really need this amount in retirement and I can... Um, I can survive on that amount. So. And that's what leads right into the second one. But on that point, you know, thinking through what is the number that you need in retirement, yeah. which may be different than you need when you're not retired because you're no longer saving, you're no longer contributing to Social Security and Medicare. So right. Hopefully mortgage, you don't, right. don't yeah, have a lot, a lot of our clients do go into retirement without a mortgage. So it's thinking through what is that number that we need, which, which goes into the second step is to build a plan to survive a down stock market. So worry during uncertain times is normal, um, but those with a comprehensive financial plan should be able to ride it out without making costly errors. Selling investments at a loss is often based in fear. Uh, and we, you know, we, most financial advisors, know someone who has sold stocks when the markets dropped in 2020. Um, but as we saw, and a lot of people, um, you know, if you stayed invested, saw that the markets rebounded very quickly um, and enter new highs for nearly the next two years. Um, and you could have lost a lot if you would have sold out. Um, you know, a possible, as a possible recession approaches, one way we're trying to help prepare clients for retirement income is to simply create a retirement plan that includes negative years built yep. into it. That's really good. And so every plan that we have has about 25% of the years as negative. And, and the reason we do that 
um, is that when a negative year happens, we don't freak out. And uh, we, you know, <laughs> I heard it said this this way one time. Um, you know, if you're flying on a plane, the only time you should be nervous is if the flight attendants start looking nervous. And that's that's totally true. Yeah, and that's it's like, like the first thing I look for. I'm like, no, they're they're acting they're, cool. Like, they're eating a sandwich. And then I and then I act like, cool too. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Although it's, inside, I'm like, oh, oh my I'm, gosh, I'm extremely terrified. It's going down. But it's like seriously. So <laughs> that's one thing that we try to have confidence with our clients is saying, hey, when the markets go down you know, look to your advisors, look to us. We're, we're not fretting because it's part of the plan. We've looked at the data. It, it's, it's part of the investment process, but it's really important to have that on the front end to say, Hey, we're planning over the next 35 years to have, right. you know, eight to nine years being negative, being negative. So that yeah. when one happens, it's not like we don't care, but it's like, wow. Okay. You know, we, we've planned for it's that planned for that. And it's okay. We expected that. You yeah, know what I mean? We've expected that. Yeah. That's right. It's okay. Yeah. So our goal as a firm is to reduce and even eliminate stress through our planning. Um, we, we had a client say that, you know, stress is how we've gotten to the point where we are and we need to sure. keep being stressed to keep where we are. And, and that's where we can step in and say, actually, we, we can rest. We can not be stressed in finances right. because we have this plan. So again, yeah. The second step is to have a really good plan that builds in negative years. And, and like you said, is it, is, we're expecting those. So when they happen, yeah. it doesn't mess up the plan. Yeah, and that 25% number you know, of markets being down, that's not just some arbitrary number we put in. That's historically, annually, the market's down 25% of the time. Mm. You know, so which, means, which means... What does it mean? They're up. It can't be. 75%. No way. Is that <laughs> right, it, man? They're either up or down. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's pretty remarkable. Um, now, it depends on how you look at the data. You look month over month or quarter over quarter, but, and, but year over year, 25% of the years are down, 75% are up. And keep moving to our last point, that's really what mm. we're planning for. We're not planning for the month to month, the quarter to quarter. We're planning the year over year because the third step is really understanding you will need enough money to last 20 to 30 months? Mm -mm. No. 20, 30 years. <laughs> yeah, a long time. A couple That's of right. decades. In yeah. retirement. In retirement, yeah. Yep. So 20, 30 years in retirement, you know, many people in their <clears throat> 60s planning to retire with between, let's say, one and a half million, five million in investment assets may feel comfortable, but they often don't know if their money will last them at least two decades, possibly longer. Um, by building a plan based on different statistical models, retiree is able to define their sustainable withdrawal rate including longevity risks. America's population of people 90 and older almost tripled between 1980 and 2010 to 1.9 million, and then is also expected to increase significantly over the next four decades. This means that new retirees will need enough money to live comfortably um, for a long time. It may not be able to leave money to their heirs. So each plan is gonna be different. It's gonna be different to fit an individual or couple's needs. But all of them should help to determine a sustainable rate of withdrawal from a person's or couple's portfolio that will last a lifetime and meet their financial goals. For example, you know, some couples may want to spend every last penny, while others do want to leave some to their heirs. And we see both kinds of, of, of clients. Some mm -hmm. yeah, really are passionate about leaving something. Some want to spend it because maybe they're giving their their benefiting them now mm. as opposed to just you know when they uh yeah when they pass so each plan is built to withstand the stress of the events that create this this level of uncertainty and whether it's a, a recession or a major ge uh, geopolitical event we want to plan around these things mm. and so we regularly 
man, that word, reg- regularly. <laughs> we regularly work with clients during tough times who plan to retire or have just retired and help them to segment assets into buckets of money so they have the ability to ride out market volatility and also be prepared to take advantage of growth opportunities when the market recovers. So being intentional about a retirement income strategy is key and a budget will help you do that because a budget doesn't mean you don't have money. A budget just means you're intentional with Mm. your money and that helps reduce emotional fears because the spend down phase of your life is so very different than than your accumulation phase. Yeah. And and one point on that, one question that I'd have for you is how how, how does that play into when a client says, hey, Zach, you know, the markets are down. I just want to go to cash. I'm, I'm 65 years old. I've been retired for two years. I just want to go to cash. Just wait it out just a little bit longer and let it rebound. Like how, mm. how would you, what would you say to that as we're closing this article? Yeah, I think um, you, to, to the person who wants to go. Yeah, they, they're, they're like, hey, it's the markets are uncertain. Cash is certain. You know, I have 30 years more in, in retirement, but I want to go to cash. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of things we, we could say to that. I think the way we structure our por- portfolios for um folks in retirement is we have uh, typically our, our kind of most popular portfolio for those in retirement is 60% stocks, 40% fixed. Mm-hmm. We have a large portion of their retirement savings in, you know, whether it's fixed securities or, or short-term bonds or something that's, that's much safer mm. than the market. So that's one strategy is to have a portion. And then when markets are down, we don't, we don't sell stocks. We just sell fixed income. So, yeah. and that, and, and historically, even you know, looking back to the bear market of uh, two thousand eight, that recovered in a couple of years, mm. and we have more than a couple of years of income set up in those fixed assets. So, um, and I, you know, Steve always uses this statistic with the the Great Depression at the bottom. If you were in a well diversified portfolio, it, it would have taken four and a half years to recover, and that's the Great Depression. That's wow. the, the worst we've seen at four and a half years, and wow. and oftentimes we have more than four and a half years worth of income. In the bonds. For, in the bonds nice. for, <clears throat> for folks. So anyway, that's, yeah, that's how I respond. I don't know if you were going a different way. No, with no, that, no. That's, that, that, I think that's a very common question we have is, well, let's just go to cash. Let's just wait it out. And I think you answered it well. Is you do have fixed income in there. And yeah. also part of the plan is you need to make more than cash long term. And if you go, oh, yeah, when right. you sell when it's down, inflation. You're, you're locking in those losses and, and, and cash doesn't, doesn't earn that. So yeah, stay invested, not. have a plan, have a budget. It's very good, man. Yep. Yeah, so that's uh, the three steps. Yeah, that's good. So what's, what do we got left, man? We're yeah, going to so do the, the prescription. The last one is the prescription of the week. All right. And, and these prescriptions, our, our desire for them is just to be little snippets that are kind of key takeaway points. That's right. That we can help. So this prescription is coming near the end of the year. Check your tax brackets and income for 2022 to see if there are any giving opportunities or any contributions to tax-deductible accounts that you want to make. Um, you know, you can look at the tax brackets and say, Hey, you know, next year it's going to be higher this year. We want to go ahead and, um, you know, take a deduction for 401ks. We want to increase that for two months or we want to give to our church increased, or we want to, you know, do a number of different things, but really looking at that and seeing if there's any opportunities that you want to do is, is a good step. Yeah. It's just a good end of end of year planning to see where you fall. And there's just a lot of opportunities if, especially if you're in that 12% bracket, there's just a lot that can be done in that bracket that can't be done in a higher bracket in terms of, especially long-term capital gains. Um, yeah. Contributions to IRAs um, or even consider, you know, Roth conversions. If you're, you know, you're tired and you've got room, that 12% bracket, 
you can consider Roth conversion. So I think, yeah, take a look at your tax brackets at the end of the year and, and see, you know, if there's any room there to do some work. So, yeah. um, but that wraps up the show for us, Matthew. It was a good show. Thanks for sharing that article. Um, you know, this has been this week's the first week in November edition of MoneyMD. So tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, MoneyMD.net, and send us your questions or give us a call at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.